0: Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Monday, December 2nd, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins, with a summary of election news. Today, Bullock drops out, Sestak drops out, Georgia's governor will appoint a senator this week and Trump might not like his choice, the impeachment update, and Stiers adds blanket New Hampshire. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. First up today, Montana Governor Steve Bullock has dropped out of the Democratic primary race. He joined the race back on May 4th and spent 212 days on the campaign trail. Along the way, Bullock did make it into one DNC debate. That was one of the days back in July. Aside from that, he never appeared on the debate stage and often criticized the DNC rules for excluding him from the debates. At the time he dropped out, Bullock was polling at less than 1% nationally. Bullock's core campaign message was simple. He's a Democrat who is the governor of an otherwise Republican voting state. His argument was that he could win over Republicans because he already did it twice in his statewide elections. Recall that Montana went for President Trump by 20 points in 2016, so having a Democrat at the head of that state is notable. He also focused on the influence of dark money in our elections, that is, money spent on politics where it's unclear who is actually behind the spending. I'm going to play you a brief clip from July on Hardball with Chris Matthews, in which Matthews asked Bullock to make his pitch. By the way, he references a documentary by Kimberly Reed in this clip. Listen in. So make your pitch.
1: President of the United States, why you? Look, the economy's not working for most folks. They look to the political system for relief. It's captured by the money. I'm the only one in this field that won in a Trump state. If we're going to win in 2016, we not only have to bring out our base, but we got to win back places like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. I can do that. 25 to 30% of my voters voted for Donald Trump. I think people are also hungry to believe the government can work. My whole time I've been in office, Had a majority Republican legislature, even with that legislature, we've been able to get good things done, like expanding health care to 100,000 Montanans, record investments, in education, freezing college tuition, kicking dark money
2: out of our elections. You're great on that. By the way, if you only get that done, I've watched that documentary. And we need to do that.
0: No, getting rid of dark money. I think it's the root of so much evil in politics. Thank you so much, governor. As he dropped out of the presidential race, Bullock said, yet again, he will not run for Senate in Montana, despite lots of Democrats urging him to do so. This is very reminiscent of when O'Rourke dropped out and lots of folks urged him to run for Senate in Texas. Both candidates have politely and consistently declined. Bullock faces term limits as governor. He cannot run again for that office, having held it for two terms now. So what's next for him? Well, that's unclear but I will keep you posted if we hear from him again in this election cycle. On Sunday, former Pennsylvania Representative Joe Sestak ended his campaign for the Democratic nomination as well. He started on June 22nd, which was considered at the time to be extremely late, but that was well before the era of Deval Patrick and Mike Bloomberg. Anyway, Sestak was in the race for 162 days and never made it to any of the DNC debate stages. He, like Bullock, was polling at less than 1% nationally. Sestak's core message focused on his experience as a military leader. He is a retired Navy admiral. He often said that his military experience had prepared him for matters of foreign policy. He combined that message with his experience as a House representative for the state of Pennsylvania. He also proposed a variety of economic and social policies that would help rural communities. He also walked across the state of New Hampshire in an effort to drum up support in that early voting state. This mirrored a previous journey in 2015 when he walked the length of Pennsylvania during an unsuccessful run for Senate. Let's listen to a clip from the beginning of the New Hampshire walk in October. On Sunday, October
1: 13th, I'm going to begin to walk across New Hampshire, 105 miles, I'm gonna begin in Chesterfield, which is right on the border with Vermont. Actually, there's a bridge there called the U.S. Navy Seabeat Bridge. But I'll continue on all the way to Portsmouth. That harbor looks out on the Atlantic Ocean, where I used to sail across to the Persian Gulf, once to war. I'm doing this because I honestly believe that public servants serve people. And as President of the United States of America, I want to make sure that all Americans, all Americans understand. I serve them, above party, above self, above any special interest. We need to unite this country because there are defining challenges that have to be addressed. And without a united America, there's no way that can we meet these challenges of our time. going will be walking and meeting people across the entire state of New Hampshire, whether it's in mental health areas, to meet people that are challenged and doctors that take care of them people who have children with autism, or whether it's also to visit the homeless, veterans included, to meet manufacturers, to meet the labor force, to meet teachers. I want to walk in their shoes. As Scout's Father Atticus said in Kilimahi, you can't know a man until you stand in his shoes and begin to walk in. So that's why I'm gonna be walking across New Hampshire, the Granite State. It's beautiful as you can see here. And I'm doing it because I really want people to know that it is about them, it is about all Americans, because we really do have more in common than we do in differences. I'm Joe Sestak, and I look forward to you joining me on the walk, whether it's by viewing these videos or by, whether it's by joining me. But above all, I want to serve America, and that means Americans. Thank you very much.
0: In a statement on Twitter, Sestak wrote in part, quote, Without the privilege of national press, it is unfair to ask others to husband their resolve and to sacrifice resources any longer. End quote. And he signed that note, quote, Please accept my final note of service to you. End quote. That final note thing seems to suggest that he is not running for public office again, though you never know. He was campaigning right up through Sunday, and in fact, I read on this show from his recent op-ed as the last segment last week, so the show right before this one. So Sestak continues to be politically active, but not running for president. With Sestak's announcement yesterday and Bullock's announcement today, the Democratic primary field is down to 16 major candidates.
2: Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place... To get it done, Zip Recruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com/begin. Zip Recruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, Zip Recruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, Zip Recruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates, so you cannot miss a great match. Zip Recruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on Zip Recruiter. Get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address: ZipRecruiter.com/begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com/b-e-g-i-n. ZipRecruiter.com/begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: That's not just the sound of that first sip of morning Joe.
0: Next up, some news on the Senate situation in Georgia. Governor Brian Kemp has to fill a seat that will be vacated by Johnny Isaacson, who is retiring at the end of the year. Kemp and Isaacson are both Republicans, so it is a fair bet that the interim senator will also be a Republican. But the big question is, who will that be? Both Georgia Senate seats will be on the ballot in 2020, but this choice from Kemp is seen as a test of loyalty to President Trump. Reading from an article by Greg Bluestein in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, quote, Kemp plans to tap financial executive Kelly Leffler for a U.S. Senate seat next week, as he pushes to expand the Georgia GOP's appeal to women who have fled the party in recent years. The appointment would defy President Donald Trump and other Republican leaders, who have repeatedly urged the governor to appoint U.S. Representative Doug Collins, a four-term congressman who is one of the president's staunchest defenders in Washington. End quote. Okay, so that's the setup. Trump wants Collins in that seat, which would presumably help Collins in a run later in 2020 for the final two years of Isaacson's original term. But it seems very likely that Kemp is not gonna appoint Collins. He even brought his preferred senator, Leffler, to a meeting with Trump last week. And that didn't seem to help at all. In fact, there is open fighting on Twitter about this whole thing. Reading again from the Journal-Constitution. Quote, If you substitute your judgment for the president's, maybe you need a primary in 2022. U.S. Representative Matt Gates, a Florida lawmaker with close ties to Trump, wrote Friday in a tweet directed at Kemp. Let's see if you can win one without Trump. We don't know you, and we don't care what you think, shot back Ryan Mahoney, a top Kemp advisor. The president, who has directly appealed to Kemp to tap Collins." three times in recent weeks, was said to be frustrated with the governor at the meeting Sunday, and upset he wasn't leaning toward Collins or another politically tested candidate. End quote. And now, the impeachment news in three minutes or less. Okay, let's talk about where we are right now and what happens next. We've seen a bunch of action over the past few weeks in the House Intelligence Committee that is chaired by Adam Schiff. That's where all those public hearings have been held. Over the holiday weekend, that committee wrote up a draft report of its findings based on all those witnesses and the materials it collected. That draft report is being privately circulated today within the committee for comments and notes. The final version of that report will be handed over to another House committee tomorrow. All right, that next committee is the Judiciary Committee, chaired by Jerry Nadler. There's a hearing scheduled for Wednesday in which that committee will argue the finer points of the law as it relates to impeachment. Now, Nadler invited the White House to send a lawyer on the president's behalf to be part of that conversation, and he was not shy in how he characterized that request. Nadler said, quote, At base, the president has a choice to make. He can take this opportunity to be represented in the impeachment hearings, or he can stop complaining about the process. I hope that he chooses to participate in the inquiry, directly or through counsel, as other presidents have done before him. End quote. White House counsel Pat Cipollone responded, quote, We cannot fairly be expected to participate in a hearing while the witnesses are yet to be named, and while it remains unclear whether the Judiciary Committee will afford the president a fair process through additional hearings. More importantly, an invitation to an academic discussion with law professors does not begin to provide the president with an semblance of a fair process. Accordingly, under the current circumstances, we do not intend to participate in your Wednesday hearing. End quote. Okay, so that's clear. There is also a Friday deadline for the White House to tell the committee whether it will show up for future hearings, so I will keep you posted on that. Meanwhile, Doug Collins made some news over the weekend. Hey, that name sounds familiar, right? That's the guy who Trump wants appointed to the soon-to-be-vacant Senate seat in Georgia. Okay, anyway, Collins said yesterday that he wants Schiff to testify in this next phase of hearings in the Judiciary Committee. Collins wants Schiff to testify about the process of creating the report that is circulating today. Earlier in the week, Schiff spoke on CNN, saying, quote, There is nothing to testify about. I think if the President or his allies in the Senate persist, it means they are not serious about what they are doing. The only reason for them to go through with this is to mollify the President, and that is not a good reason to try to call a member of Congress as a witness. End quote. And last up today, a story on the possible limits of advertising in politics. In New Hampshire, activist and billionaire Tom Steyer has been running a lot of digital ads with a special focus on YouTube, but that may actually be backfiring because he is flooding the zone so heavily. Reading from a story by Trent Spiner in Politico, quote, Some granite staters said they're seeing Steyer's ads dozens of times a day, and it's becoming more grating than ingratiating. A Politico reporter who watched YouTube music videos this week by Pentatonix, a popular acapella group, endured 17 Steyer ads in just over an hour. Even some of Steyer's local staff privately acknowledged the volume of ads has gone overboard. Steyer has massively outspent other Democratic candidates on social media, in an effort to gain traction in polls and ensure he makes the debate stage. But the recoiling of some New Hampshire voters suggests there are limits to the strategy. Michael Bloomberg, beware. Indeed, some residents feel like they can't touch a piece of technology without seeing his face. There is a point of no return in terms of visibility, said Scott Spradling, a New Hampshire media analyst. At some point, you become the uninvited guest. He uniquely is becoming dangerously close. End quote. This has potential consequences for the other billionaire in the Democratic race, former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg. A core part of Bloomberg's strategy is to run incredible, record-breaking amounts of ads. So I'll be curious to see if this Democratic primary actually helps reveal the limits of what advertising can do. Whether huge ad spending can really move the needle or not. For Steyer, who is polling as high as 3% in recent New Hampshire polls, it doesn't seem to be a big win. At least, not yet. Well, that's it for one more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Well, we are back in the saddle of regular shows. Keep in mind, we've got a debate on December 19th, then we'll have a little political downtime again as the December holidays keep us all cozy and away from the news. As for me, I just had an awesome weekend fixing stuff around the house, talking to my folks, and generally just avoiding politics for a few days. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow.